Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. My name is Brett Freeman. I'm the publisher and owner of a media company in the Hudson Valley, New York. I launched this podcast to highlight and discuss topics without fear. My aim is to have a free exchange of ideas and an open and honest discussion on the issues of the day. Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. This is Brett Freeman, your host. I am joined today by uh, our editorial team. We have uh, Brian Marshauser. He's the editor of Yorktown News and the Katona Lewisboro Times. We have Tom Walagorski. He's the editor of the Somers Record and North Salem News. We might be joined by Bob Dumas, the editor of Mayapac News. He's having some technical difficulties. And we also have our reporter, Carol Reif. She uh, writes and reports for the Somers Record and North Salem News. So welcome, all of you. Hi. So I'm going to jump in right with Brian. I know that there's big news that came out of Yorktown News this week. So I'd love to talk to you about that with, uh, I believe, the Lakeland School District. Yeah, it was a little surprising. On you know, I've tried this new thing where I shut off my email alerts on the weekend so I can... Uh, disconnect a little bit. And then I get a call around uh, 1230 from our reporter, Nick Trujillo. He's like, did you check the email you just got from Lakeland? And suffice to say, I was pretty shocked when it said that the Lakeland superintendent had resigned earlier that morning. So basically, the Board of Education had called a special meeting to discuss the employment history of a particular individual. You know, we didn't know that particular individual was the superintendent. Well, we still technically don't, but all we know is they they met in private session. They came out and Lyons uh, superintendent, Dr. Brendan Lyons, had resigned. It was accepted by a 7-2 vote from the school board, which is noteworthy for reasons I'll get to later. But, you know, basically, Lyons had a very brief but tumultuous time in Lakeland. The meetings, especially for the last three, four months or so have just been, there's been a lot of animosity from a segment of the community that is opposed to his efforts leading the district's diversity, equity, and inclusion team. And I think it just hit a breaking point. I don't think this was any one thing that happened. I think the school board wanted to try and bring, you know, calm this down and regain a little bit of control. And I think it maybe it was just wasn't working out. And I think they just decided to go their separate ways. Now, does, and, does, this, um, does the seven to two vote, does that represent different factions on the school board or? I don't know if they're necessarily factions. I think they're people who definitely hold different beliefs or values. And especially when it comes to the importance of these diversity, equity and inclusion initiatives. I know that the two that voted against accepting his resignation happened to be two members of the district's DEI team and had ardently backed Lyons efforts in that area. And at the meeting, both of those members said that they didn't believe Lyons received a fair shake, that they didn't believe this was a good move for the Lakeland School District, and that's why they were voting against it. They wanted Lyons to stick around. But clearly, I guess Lyons just, you know, he wasn't receiving maybe the support of the school community, wasn't receiving the support of the school board. And if that's the case, if he had lost the district and they were on diverging paths, then it probably isn't. Maybe they just decided it was time to just you know, end it now rather than drag it out and continue this fighting. I think it's interesting timing with all of this too. The Justice Department came out, I think it was yesterday or the day before, I think definitely earlier this week with announcing that they're going to investigate parents 
going to school board meetings and the Justice Department was criticized because they said to intimidate or threaten. But I guess the open question is, you know, how do you define intimidation? And, you know, the Justice Department talked about getting the FBI involved. So um, I don't know. I just, I think that's just kind of interesting because I do feel like school boards in general have been kind of the focus on a national level. It's just really been gone kind of crazy. And I think Lakeland's kind of like a, a microcosm of what's been happening nationally. Yeah, I mean, it, it, some of the stuff you see on the news, I don't think Lakeland's quite risen to that level. I, I It has gotten a little like thinly veiled threats and things like that where like, we're watching you and, you know, we're going to get our way. And I've heard like things like said like that, but I haven't actually heard any like, you know, threatened violence or, or saying like, I know where you live and stuff like that. <laughs> but I, I, he was getting beat up a little bit and I'm sure that weighed heavy on him. But I was still quite a bit taken aback by his resignation just because his words and actions didn't seem like those of a man who was ready to give up the fight and walk away. But I think if he had lost the support of the board, then he didn't probably didn't see much reason to continue. And they reached what board president Adam Kaufman described as an employment-related agreement, the details of which were not shared at the meeting. We have submitted a freedom of information request to see if we can get a copy of that agreement because I'd like to know what it contains. You know. If what you know, whether he got a payout or something like that for his troubles, um, he was making 250000 a year, so I doubt he really wanted to walk away from that, no matter how much uh grief he was getting at these meetings. So, I mean, in his departure letter, very brief one on the district's website, he said he was walking away, he was leaving to uh tend to family matters and to pursue other opportunities. That I mean, maybe that's true, perhaps it's true, but it seems like a lie. I mean, it yeah, seems yeah. like PR spin, you know, and I texted him to ask him to expand on it and he declined, you know, he said it was a pleasure working with you, but all that's, the, my letter is all I'm gonna say on the matter and that's it. So and we Very reached out to several board members, they all declined to elaborate on the record. So I think everyone just wants to put this in the rear view. I think the school board knows that they don't wanna disparage their superintendent on the way out. And Has anyone talked to you off the record? <laughs> no comment. Um, okay. Yeah, you know, we do what we do. We talk to our sources, we gather background information. But really here, you know, what we've been told is this isn't like one issue. It was just bubbling over for a while and they just decided it's time to end it. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. It's very interesting just looking at all our school districts and the different styles of various superintendents also. There's one superintendent that, Long since uh, left Mayapac, you know, when we first started Mayapac News and it was our first paper, 2010. And this was a guy, I could call him on a cell phone, he'd pick up, you know, he just was like a complete open book as a reporter and editor at the time. You know, what what a pleasure to work with someone like that. You know, open books are great. School districts have always been weird when it comes to transparency for the most part. If you scrolled the district's Facebook page on Saturday, October 2nd, you wouldn't have known anything happened. They had one post from that day and it was a elementary school being decorated with pumpkins. Yeah. And you know, they, they'd rather post positive stories and pretend this whole issue never happened. I always believed in kind of tackling issues head on. That's kind of my style of transparency. I, I don't think it's saying, here's every single thing about my life and my school, but it's telling people things that they ought to know, even if they're not asking for it. That's what I believe transparency is. Yeah. And I think, you know, pretending something's not happening is just never the way to go, in my opinion. So. Yeah. Well, Brian, thank you for your contribution. If you want to jump off, you know, feel free. I know you had some other things to tend to. So right, thanks, Brett. Uh, so I appreciate it, Brian. I can hang around for a little bit while longer. I'll just listen in. 
All right. All right. Great. And, <laughs> um, and I guess uh, we'll go to, over to Tom now. And I guess Tom and Carol will kind of team up here a little bit with uh, talking a little bit about you know, Somers North Salem. I know um, there's some vandalism going on in, in North Salem. And also, I guess the big story really is also uh, that's coming out in North Salem News is the town is kind of focusing on the Hamlet of Croton Falls. So if you guys want to chime in with, our, with those topics, that'd be great. Oh, thanks, Brett. Um, I guess we'll start with the uh, we'll start with North Salem. We'll start with the negative. Um, like you said, there was a little bit of vandalism over the last couple of days at a uh, Joe Bodrum Field Park. Somebody got into a unlocked shed where they stored some of like the maintenance equipment and the paint and everything, and uh, had a little fun with um, a shed and a rock and a bench. Just basically left like orange paint everywhere. It's just one of those, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, Supervisor Lucas weighed in on it and just said that it's, you know, it's one of those crimes that's senseless, it hurts the community. And, you know, he kind of, I think everybody might assume that this was like a younger person who did it and everything. But, you know, he kind of said that it's like, oh, it's a it's a teaching moment for people's kids. It's like, this isn't appreciated. This doesn't benefit anybody. And just one of those, uh, you know, one of those things that you hope really doesn't become any any bigger of an issue in the community. Now, where is that park located? It's uh, it's in Purdy's. Okay, um, got it. Yes, yes, Sunset Ridge Road, I believe. Okay, thank you, Carol. Yep. <laughs> but um, on a more uh, on a more positive note, yeah, the big story that's going to be uh, coming in North Salem News in next week's edition is going to be uh, Croton Falls. The uh, the it was kind of the uh, the planning board. There was a, a meeting on September 25th, and it was run by the uh, chair of the planning board, Cynthia Curtis, and Supervisor Warren Lucas. And basically, it was for community input, just about sort of the future of Croton Falls. I mean, they are going to be developing a master plan and a, a capital projects plan, and just kind of looking for community input about just what sort of, you know, get excited about what the future could hold for Croton Falls. And it seems like there was, a, you know, a lot of positive suggestions coming out of there. A lot of, uh, they covered a lot of ground and just in terms of, you know, infrastructure, traffic, sidewalks, uh, you know, signage, sewer systems. Water. You know, very, very comprehensive for things like that. And just, you know, what, uh, you know, what the future could hold for it. I actually think a story like that actually kind of is interesting, not just to people living in North Salem, but to other people who visit and uh, travel through North Salem. You know, our old offices in Somers, I used to, you know, drive through Croton Falls and I still do actually drive through Croton Falls frequently, actually. It's a beautiful little hamlet. I mean, I, I think that downtown area with all the businesses, it's really cute. And it's definitely interesting and, you know, Piques my curiosity to know what might come of it for sure. Can I jump in here real quick? Yeah, please, Carol. Yeah, well, now we're in the middle of apple picking season, which always brings a lot of revenue, but it also brings a lot of problems into New Salem with traffic and people looking for places to eat. There's no place to go to the bathroom, et cetera. And where sometimes they come up from the city and where do they come? They come to Croton Falls and they get off the train and they spread out from there. So the infrastructure issue was like really central to this whole discussion because the Hamlet really doesn't have that much of a future if it doesn't have water, if it doesn't have the proper sewerage and sidewalk so it's more walkable. And so, I mean, North Salem is not got really, it's so spread out. There's no real central location like Somers. There's a downtown Somers. There's really no downtown North Salem. So they have really been focusing like for the last decade on Croton Falls with the hopes that that is where it's going to grow and expand and et cetera, but they can't do it without infrastructure. So what do people do when they get off the train and they want to go apple picking? They Uber? I don't know. That's a good question. How they get up the road, but they, uh, and a lot of people drive, of course, and there are some weekends that 
the traffic is literally backed up to 684, especially, you know, from one of the orchards in Hart Scrabble Road, which is a great thing. It's a great thing that people come to North Salem, but it, the people like some people in town can't wait till it's over with because it's just it's traffic wise. It's a nightmare. People don't have anywhere to go you know, to the bathroom and I don't want to get gross and go into that, but that's, um, anyway, so they're having <laughs> it another, will be a problem. That is a problem. We will gross people out by talking about that. The meeting that they had two weeks ago, they're going to repeat the same thing. So folks that could not get there will be able to get there and they're going to set a meeting tonight. The planning board is going to set a date. I can't tell you what it is right now. Yeah, we'll have we'll have an update on that in the you know the article in next week's paper. I have to admit, I went apple picking this past weekend. I took my son, my daughter, and my daughter's two friends, but a car full of people, and uh, I went to Newburgh, New York. And I have to tell you, it's a place called Lawrence Farms. It's absolutely fantastic. And one of the reasons I just decided not to go to North Salem is because I know it's way too crowded. And I feel terrible saying this. And I know some of them have actually been our clients. I've been to the North Salem Orchard. It's crazy. It's really crazy, like you described. And you know, I just didn't feel like being on top of people. Uh, I know Carol has something to really, you know, really brag about here on this uh, on this episode. Uh, she interviewed some pretty famous people. I never brag, but it's a good segue from Croton Falls because the schoolhouse theater has been an iconic place for decades and decades. And it's been a draw. It brings people from out of town, from out of the county, from New York City, even, um, you know, big names have appeared there. Things have been premiered there. Um, and its future is a little bit iffy right now because the town has bought or is in the process of buying the building for a community and senior center, which they really do need. But the problem is, you know, it, there's been talk and discussion that, yeah, the theater group will be able to use it in some fashion, but it's not necessarily going to be the same as when it was open before COVID with the, the you know, performances. And meanwhile, they've been doing all this virtual stuff. Okay. So anyway, um, they've been trying to schedule this benefit to support the foundation since June. And the first benefit got kiboshed because Neil Simon's heirs determined that they could not perform the Sunshine Boys or any of his works on Zoom. So that went by the wayside. Then they, Alan Arkin is a wonderful actor. Is Neil Simon dead? Yes, he is. Okay. <laughs> this is, his, that's why he's heir. I actually met him. I met Neil Simon years ago. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. Um, well, according so. to Robert Klein, who is the other person who's going to do the benefit, he's not. He was a hard boss. He was okay. not a teddy bear. So maybe this the heirs are sort of continuing on this. But anyway, that fell by the wayside. So Alan Arkin, the actor, and Robert Klein is also an actor and singer, et cetera, et cetera, and stand-up com comedian. Um, they said, okay, we're going to perform these two uh, one-act plays that were written by Alan Arkin. So that was all scheduled. By the way, Carol, I just want to interrupt you. My favorite thing with Alan Arkin, you know, that I really, where he was a great character, Little Miss Sunshine. Yes. Play, play They're a very good role for him. He yes. got the Academy. Yeah. Did he get, I, I'm, I have to look at my notes. I think he won Best Supporting Actor for that. Best Supporting I think. Actor for Little Miss Sunshine. And that was a fantastic movie. 
Well, the thing that's great about him is that he can do drama. He can do comedy. I mean, when I was growing up, he was like one of my heroes. I mean, Catch-22 was a serious comedy, okay? The Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. It was like an all-out comedy. He played like evil personified in this movie, Wait Until Dark, which I get the chills every time I describe it. And I told him on the phone, I said, I'm not going to blow the plot for anybody. But there is one scene where I know what he's going to do every single time we've seen this movie like a hundred times and then he does it and I scream out loud so he <laughs> laughed at that so they were going to do that and then Arkin had a medical crisis and he's all right now but he's just he had an issue and he had to bow out he felt very bad about it so this is prime number three <laughs> they are trying it is going to be like you said this is going to broadcast after the fact but on October the 9th they were going to try it again and Alan Arkin and Robert Klein are going to perform and Klein is going to get out the harmonica and provide anybody who knows him from Saturday Night Live and the bit I can't stop my leg. And I know some of you guys are too young to remember that, but it is a classic Saturday Night Live bit. And uh, he's not going to do I can't stop my leg, but he's going to play his harmonica. So it's great for the theater that both these men are taking time out of their lives help out and it's both of them said it's because they really believe that community theater and local theater and people were just hungry and desperate for culture and if this were to go down the tubes it would be a bad thing so that's why they're doing it it seems like a couple class acts there just from you know yes. the way carol described her interactions and i was just happy about this even though everybody here is listening after the fact that carol finally got this interview carol has been chasing this story down through every twist and turn. And I feel like every time we would talk about it, there would be a different development. So it was nice that everything finally came together and they finally will get to have this benefit. And it seems like everything's going to work out. So it's one of those rare happy endings for everybody. That's great. And um, let's let's just jump over to Somers real quick. Uh, I know the big story uh, is in sports. Yeah, actually, um, the majority of the varsity teams in Somers have been having very good years, so I don't want to leave anybody out, but um, the standout definitely this season has been uh, Somers varsity boys soccer. At, at one point going into last week, they had a string of six straight shutout victories, which is no small thing. They had an undefeated showdown against Yorktown last week that they actually won that uh, that broke the shutout streak and everything. So they've just been really beating people very handily there. And they, as far as the, uh, the rankings go from the United Soccer Coaches, those are who handle the state and the national rankings. Currently, they are ranked number one in New York State, and the team is ranked number three in the country. That's incredible. Now, how do they determine the country? Because, I mean, it's not like they played against other state teams. I'm just curious how they figured that out. I don't want to speak on that when I'm not 100% sure. I thought it was sort of like Hall of Fame voting where it's just like a coaches association and they okay. just all kind of like vote towards it. I mean, like I have, I have the rankings pulled up here and it was like the number one um, school in the country is from Cleveland, Ohio, followed by some, a team from Newark, New Jersey. I mean, being ranked number one in the state is phenomenal, but three in the country, that's something special right there. That's so. absolutely incredible. Absolutely. Just a, a special mention to uh, soccer there. Keep up all the good work if anybody's yep. listening. Great. And then I, I know there's one other... Uh, Thing that's you know we've been hearing about this actually kind of nationally and it's reached down into Somers. That's really one town we, we've heard a little bit about. So if you want to talk a little bit about that, yeah, um, you know, again, it's like you said, it's a national problem. But the uh, the school bus driver shortage has finally come home to Somers. Yeah. And just the school board gave an update on kind of how they're approaching the problem with just, you know, the, the driver deficiency. Now, their transportation company is called Royal Coach. 
you know, I guess they've been working with them to kind of alleviate this problem and they've been combining routes. And I know some parents have been carpooling, you know, everybody's sort of pitching in and realizing what a problem this is. And um, just the trickle down of it is that the, uh, the commute times for students are taking longer. I think what would typically take about 45 minutes before is now taking an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. Traffic outside of the school buildings with drop-offs and pickups is getting a little hairy. So it's definitely one of those problems that, uh, you know, like I said, existed at a national level, but now we're seeing it on the local level in Somers. Do we know why? I mean, I'm so curious about what is going on. I mean, it's just our economy is so weird. You know, Brian, I know, is working on a story about car dealerships struggling with getting certain parts. And, you know, we talked a little bit before our recording. You know, we have a couple of clients who, you know, love us. They want to advertise, but they have nothing to advertise because they have no inventory. And, you know, now we've reported on businesses that can't hire people. What's going on? I mean, why do we have a bus driver shortage? I just think it's so strange. Well, I think that after everything that every, you know, the school districts, you know, across the country went through last year, we've been living like this for 18 months. I know it seems like an eternity, but a lot of things got disrupted. And, you know, if there were, you know, school was all remote and everything, you know, the drivers and transportation professionals probably went out and found, you know, if they got laid off, they went out and found other jobs. I know something that Carol alluded to in the article too was that people that might be delivery professionals, food delivery companies like DoorDash and things like that have gained a lot of popularity during the pandemic. So if you went and found another gig while you couldn't be driving for a school district, maybe you're just sticking with that. Also, Royal Coach literally thought that it had enough people right up to the last minute. It wasn't like it was like a got you at the last second, but they signed up and at the last minute, they some of them pooped out. Royal Coach, like a lot of other bus companies have been offering, um, I'm not exactly sure, but I know a lot of bus companies across the nation are offering these huge sign-on bonuses, these huge retention bonuses. They are reaching out to everybody and their grandmother, please get a commercial driver's license. Somebody told me that they went to like a DMV recently. There's like a stack of applications for commercial. I mean, this is not just school districts. This is all over the place. They are, people are desperate for drivers. It's, Carol, didn't you say in the article that there was actually one, wasn't it Philadelphia or Virginia somewhere that they were offering yeah. drivers like a $2,500 sign-on bonus? Like they yeah. Were yeah. It's all over the place. Uh, that's what the school board emphasized last time. It's, it's not just us. This is happening everywhere and we're coping with it as best we can. And one of the things that might be problematic is if they have to combine routes and they have to put more kids on the school buses, does the, how does social distancing work as well? Because that was a big safety issue last year, putting two kids, you know, there was a limit on the amount of kids that could be on the bus. So that's one element that I need to look into a little bit more later. But for now, they're trying to cope and they're asking parents for patience. And Interesting. Like, please understand. Interesting. You know. So, so we, we might have Bob Dumas. Bob, are you there? Oh, there he is. There's Bob. All right, Bob. Speak now or forever hold your peace. Your technical difficulties. I'm- okay. We're going to skip Bob this week and uh, we'll figure out the technical difficulties. Tom, Carol, thank you. Brian uh, left the meeting, but I want to thank him as well. Bob, Nothing. thank you for attempting to go on the meeting. You know, that's what happens occasionally. Uh, and and uh, in the age of Wi-Fi, he's still attempting to speak. Yeah. We don't, Bob will not be silent. Yeah, but we, we don't really hear him that well. So thank you, everybody. And uh, we'll talk next week. Thank you. That was it was always a pleasure, Brett. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Okay.